Hello, everybody. Welcome to the mailbag. Yes! Cut yourself off a slice and come on over. Yes! Andy Brassel's here celebrating away as a man with the amount of accolades that he has would only do. I'm actually celebrating uh, being in the mailbag. Life, I mean, it's, Andy. It smells... We're celebrating life, as Sven <laughs> once said to... But he said Kaiser, not Andy. What was it? Was it Sven who said that? Yeah. That's what, that's what Dietmar Harman said when he was... It feels like the sort of thing that P. Diddy would say. Well, probably. I'm not interested in that nonsense. I'm interested, you know, by the swimming pool in Thailand, Sven Joran Eriksson. Right, fair. Before fair. dark. If it happened after dark, I think I would be like, oh. oh yeah, I recall the, stuff, the story you're talking about now. All, all the stuff yes. I joke about. I don't, I don't want to see it. I don't know. Um, yeah, when, when Harman said that uh, Sven Joran Eriksson approached him with a bottle of champagne at about 11 Lay. in the morning. Oh, life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Did he say it like that? Yeah, I, I probably. Yeah. Quite possibly, Andy. Um, early, very early mention for Sven Joran Eriksson there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure you enjoyed it as much as I did. A record. <laughs> I don't think that I is a record. I don't think it is a record. Um, but it is time for the mailbag, of course. Thank you very much for getting all your questions in. It's been a bloody pleasure going through them. And we are going to, and when I say we, I mean Andy, is going to answer a few of them right now. Are you ready, Andy? Let's do it. Best fighting trousers on. Kev Sandal has said, with PSG dropping points, Juventus drawing again, and Real and Barca both struggling this season, I should say that uh, at the time of recording that, or, or time of reading out that was relevant, um, just in case. Uh, suddenly there's been an upspurt, but that seems very unlikely. Which league does Andy think is most likely to supply a shock champion this season? Can Zlatag, Zlatan drag Milan to the title? Could David Silva carry Sociedad to a shock win? Or perhaps Memphis can have Andy dancing in the streets. <laughs> oh, Kev, I would love to believe that was going to be the case. I really would love to. Dancing with Memphis. <laughs> Andy, what do you reckon? Oh, I, I really would love to believe that was going to be the case um, w- with France. Of course, at the time of recording, it's very nicely poised. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not just... Well, it will, because we're recording this not that long before it's going to go out. So Yeah, and I, I think it's nice that not just are the team's Poised behind two points behind Paris Saint Germain mm. as we re- record. Yeah, just days um, before. Lille, uh, Lyon, and Monaco um, are all capable teams. Mm. I think the fact that two of them are not involved in European competition is worth underlining. And both Lyon and Monaco have decent squads mm-hmm. and really a situation where they haven't really got enough places to play them because, mm. of course, there's no Coupe de la Ligue in France this mm-hmm. season. So you've got a lot of players jostling for position. And I think in a situation like we are at the moment, which is a very, very, very unusual situation in, in, in life as, as well as in football, mm-hmm. obviously, um, having a big squad that is not overused is something that's super valuable. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, Monaco, I'm not entirely sold, mm-hmm. and to be honest, I I, I don't feel the that I I don't feel that I'm completely sold on on Leon either. Um, I think the thing with Leon, you look at the fact that their squad can definitely get better. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had Carl Toko Combi um, finding good form recently. Um, you think Memphis has got a little bit more to give? Musa Dembélé's only you just got his that. first Come of the on. season. Well, it's true. <laughs> just not to Barcelona. No, okay. Yeah. And Musa um, Dembele has only just got his, his, mm-hmm. his first goal of the season. Usem Awa, um, 
is, is going to get better as the season goes on. He's had a bit of a slow start to the season by by his standards. Um, so I'm not going as far as saying Leon can push all the way for the title. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so what be- are you be- saying then, bear in mind mm-hmm. that they've, they've had half a word in title races mm-hmm. in, well, within recent memory. So I, 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 I think... If they could, if they could be in a spot where they could they, they could push PSG in mm-hmm. um, March, that would at least make it interesting, and and that's what we want, isn't it? Just a, a little mm-hmm. bit of interest. Um, I think if we're going to Italy, now you're talking. Then we're talking. Now you're talking because Juventus, at the time of recording again, mm-hmm. are still unbeaten, but they haven't won more than one game in a row in well, the league this season, yeah. and. They've they've got a lot of issues. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, Milan have been fantastic, not just this season, but this calendar year. And then we've seen the effect that Zlatan has had, not just on the field, but off it, in terms of raising standards, in terms of um, helping players be confident, mm-hmm. a, a, a young squad be confident. I think that's very important. Um, we've got Teo Hernandez and Frank Kessie, you've been playing very well for a long time now and Stefano Pioli the coach who doesn't really get an awful lot of credit well I was going to say we all talk about Ibrahimovic understandably so because it is remarkable what he's doing there his scoring record has been phenomenal and all the reasons what you just said but Pioli has played his part Pioli would Pioli winning the league with Milan would be like Ranieri winning it with Leicester you think yeah absolutely because they're, they're starting from so far back when he takes charge and when Pioli took charge Loads of Milan fans complained that, oh, for God's sake, not another Inter fan taking over. Well, Whereas it's, it's generous. What, what they really meant mm. is not another incredibly underwhelming managerial choice. You yeah. know, they'd gone for a, a culture change in terms of the football they wanted to play with Marco Giampaolo. That didn't work at all. Mm-hmm. And it felt as if <clears throat> Pioli was a bit stopgappy, which is why they were making plans to, to go past that, get Ralph Ranić in, give him mm-hmm. a lot of control in the club. And they were forced to shelve that idea because Pioli did so well. And you look at recently when Pioli was sidelined with coronavirus. Mm. He had a drone put in at Milanello, um, beaming live pictures of the training back to his house. And then he'd like WhatsApp the players afterwards and give them full notes on (laughs) on what they were doing. And another coach, if you're looking at, I don't know, Mm. a Mourinho or a Nagelsmann, we'd just be going, genius, genius, wouldn't we? And it's actually fantastic, I think, that attention to detail, that sense that everyone, mm-hmm. including the coaches, working to improve themselves the whole time. Zlatan is part of that. Mm-hmm. I, I really, truly believe that. Like I said, it's not just the goals. The goals are a very welcome bonus. Um, but what he's able to do off the pitch is the reason why he was brought to the club. The way he could help mm-hmm. the younger players like Rafael Leal, starting with him in the changing room. Um, and, and then you look at the way they've come up against these challenges like playing that game against uh, Fiorentina without Ibra and not missing a beat. Mm-hmm. When you look at going to Napoli and winning there for the first time in, in, in over a decade and doing it in, in great style. They've also got bits that they can add. You look at Jens Petter Hauger who scored his first goal, the young Norwegian in that away game at Napoli. There's a little bit more to give. I'm interested to see what they do in January. Now, given Milan's recent past, I don't think they can really go all in. Well, I don't think they've got the money to go all in. Mm. But I think 
if, if you're Pioli, you're hoping for a few little reinforcements to say, I believe you can go and win this. And with Inter, they're just, they're, they're too unpredictable, which is ridiculous because really Antonio Conte has gone out and said, well, I want um, experienced players. So to remove some of that uncertainty, mm. to keep a steady hand on the tiller. And then Arturo Vidal happened to the Champions League. Mm. So I, I still think with, with them, it's, it's such a palaver than winning a game normally. Um, of course, there was recently the 3-0 win at Sassuolo, who were mm-hmm. um, unbeaten before that, which was a real step in the right direction. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm not convinced about them yet in the same way I'm surprised that, 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 that I am about Milan. Under Conte. I thought he would... I, I, I mean, I thought if not last season, this season, they'd be on for the league. Considering that who's managing Juventus, obviously under, um, you know, uh, Smokey Morris, you know, Maurizio Sorry, uh, Sarri, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Smokey Morris. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, obviously he's a good manager, so you know, he's ultimately sacked. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like it was, um, you know, under Allegri, you know, when they were just sort of storming to the league and so on. So I thought, I thought with the change of manager, I thought Conte could challenge there. And then this season, I thought, well, with the uncertainty, as you say, going around the leagues and Pirlo at Juventus and whatnot. Um, so it, is, it does seem strange, but with pure, I mean, I think it's generous to say they'd be like Leicester winning the league. I understand what you mean, but Milan have won league titles recently, whereas Leicester were, you know, I suppose I'm maybe being a bit unnecessary. No, I'm talking about Pioli and I'm talking about the circumstances. Okay. And their, their but he's never resources. won a major trophy. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's my point. Imagine if it could be this year, Andy. Yeah, it, it, it would be pretty amazing. Um, we wanted to go to La Liga as well. Mm. I, I think the place that Real Madrid and Barcelona are in makes you believe that it could be somewhere, someone else. And the most likely someone else is is clearly Atletico. Yeah. And uh, especially with the way that uh, Joao Felix is, mm-hmm. is, is is taken off this this year. Um, They've just got to be steady. That's the thing with Atletico Madrid. You know, they tend to be, but they tend to kind of draw a few games which they should win. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, They're too but, steady. But that's the sometimes. thing. Yeah, like just step it up a tiny bit. You know, I know it goes, it's it's unlikely Simeone is going to change that much, but just have a tiny bit he more. Doesn't, of, it doesn't need to change that much. He just needs to give the keys to the team to Joao Felix. Just, yeah, just loosen up ever it's, so slightly. It's, it's, it's that simple. And yeah. I think they've, they've done that this mm. season, really. Uh, what they've done in recent weeks, minus Diego Costa and minus Luis Suarez, has been pretty impressive on the whole. Um, so they've kept going in the right direction. They're defending as, as as well as ever, which isn't a given actually on the back of the last two seasons. On the on, on the given on, in terms, sorry, of the um, of, of some of the players they've lost, and mm-hmm. you know you look at not just Godin but but Gabby, um, Felipe Luis, players like that, very very important. Um, dressing room influences as, as as well as players. So for for them to get to that next level, um, again is 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 very impressive. Um, Real Sociedad are interesting. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. And I think Imanol has done a really good job as coach. Um, David Silva has been wonderful to watch as always. And they've got such versatile attacking weapons. You look at not just Oyarzabal. Um, obviously Alexander Isak has, has has got a lot of attention. Um, with good reason, Porto is a, is is a player that I love. Um, he's he's been a fantastic pickup for them. And then you've got Adnan Yanisai, um and Mikel Marino in mm. in midfield has, has has been brilliant there. And I'm sure a lot of Newcastle United fans are, are looking wistfully at him. I think Sevilla are, are, are not really quite in a position to score the goals to get them mm-hmm. um, in in a title winning position. Although 
in recent weeks they've 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 started to cut loose a, a little bit more. Um, Yusuf and Nesri started to score some goals, um, which is a, a plus for them. Um, but yeah, if it was like a three four team race, you just want that feeling of jeopardy, really, mm-hmm. don't you? In 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 the leagues, yeah. And I would say if we if we're looking outside the perpetual winners, I think probably La Liga is the best bet. Well, let's stay in La Liga for a moment because Tarquin has asked this question. Question on Spanish football and mandatory release clauses. Why don't all clubs put in arbitrarily high clauses? Do players object? Um, it's cultural, um, and uh, it was up until recently considered something that was legally required. Mm-hmm. In some courses, it is it's a source of some debate whether it is still legally required. Right, because there are a few contracts now mm-hmm. um, that don't have release clauses. Mm-hmm. La Liga. Now, if we go back to um, 2018, oh, when Ika Munyain of Athletic. Of course, now they're captain. Mm-hmm. Now very Nordic looking with his with his beard and his hair, which is a wonderful development. Mm-hmm. Um, he signed a, a contract extension to stay athletic. And he asked, because he considers himself an athletic lifer, to have that clause removed. So to, to have no clause mm-hmm. in his contract, which is a hugely symbolic gesture. And the only contract in La Liga which was designed in that way at the time. So mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was a huge step forward. And um, <clears throat> clauses matter everywhere. They matter more at Athletic than they matter at most clubs because, of course, as we know, um, they only select Basque players. Um, despite that, they're one of the most successful clubs in Spanish football history. Um, obviously, they've but they rather foreign... rather stretched the uh do they sign foreign players in at all no 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 they've, they've, they've rather stretched the um definition of basqueness at some mm-hmm. point now the one exception that you might say to that actually is Vicente Lizarazu because yeah. he played mm-hmm. for them of course he was asked in his opening press conference um how do you feel being the first foreign player at athletic and he said what are you talking about I'm basque because mm. he's he's french basque mm-hmm. um now he had a very difficult time there uh, on and off the pitch and obviously went on to succeed with, with, with Bayern later on. But because of that, um, because they, they have to, I guess, guard their stars quite jealously as, as, as part of um, how, they, how they build and, and try and succeed. They have always been, if you, if you want to buy one of our good players, it's the clause or nothing. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that before, not just with, Javi Martinez, who was a Bayern record signing and famously part of that transfer fee, 40 million euro transfer fee, was paid by Adidas, Bayern's sponsor, because Bayern didn't have enough money to mm-hmm. actually get it done. I know that like, money changes and what mm-hmm. money's worth changes really quickly in football, <laughs> doesn't it? And um, then we have Kepa, of mm-hmm. course, um, who Real Madrid bulked at paying that 16 million release fee with six months left on his contract, so he signed again. And then six, seven months later, Chelsea ended up paying 80 million for him, which is, again is not an expression of 
necessarily what he's worth, but what the release clause is. Um, now, going back to Tarquin's question, um, th- there's always give and take when it, it, it comes to release clauses. Now, release clauses are there to protect the club to a, a, a certain extent. And, you know, people always say contracts mean nothing. Contracts never mean nothing. Contracts might not mean mm-hmm. everything just that it says in the print. Yep. You, know, you know, there's a bit of reading between the lines. Um, but I, I think when you look at this situation and you have a similar situation in Portugal with, mm-hmm. with release clauses, um, there has to be some give and take um, between player and club. Now, of course, if you want your player to re- re- agree to a contract with a high release clause, you've got to pay him accordingly. Mm. Um, and, you know, that, that, is, that has been the case for a lot of players out there. Like I say, it's no expression of what they're actually worth. There's a bit of protection in for the club. Now, in the inverse sense, of course, if you want a player to play for you who, if you're, you as a club are punching a little bit above your weight, mm-hmm. Then you might say, well, okay, if we give you a moderate, gettable release clause, we'll get a reasonable figure for you when we sell you. Mm-hmm. And you're not signing away your life mm-hmm. with us. You know, and I think you have to bear in mind that in some cases, if those release clauses weren't introduced, um, then those players wouldn't sign in the first place. Of course, there was an extraordinary clause with Thiago Alcantara when he was at Barcelona, whereas if he didn't hit a certain amount of first-team games, he could be sold for 20 million euros mm-hmm. rather than the, I think it was 70 at the time was mm-hmm. in. So that's... Sub-appearances and all that. That's, that's, that's why Bayern managed to get him relatively cheaply mm-hmm. at, at the time. And I think that was a very innovative way of him protecting himself. But as with any wage or contract negotiation... There's always a bit of give and take between between player and club, and in in many cases, players wouldn't sign again if they weren't given mm-hmm. a, a favourable release clause. I mean, I, th- I think we see more in Portuguese football the prohibitive release clause is 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 used. It's a good negotiating position for the club, and we've seen that with players like um, Hulk is is an obvious one, mm-hmm. Angel Di Maria, more recently. Um, the contract that um, Benfica signed with Ruben Dias, of course, they sold him at, at less than the clause because they mm-hmm. went out of the Champions League and mm-hmm. they needed the money, but it still enabled them mm-hmm. to negotiate a better fee than they might have been able to otherwise. Why do you think it's not so cultural here? I mean, do you think it just happens that they don't, we don't talk about it? It's a bit like the the dreaded third-party ownership. It seemed to be like a really naughty idea in England. It was kind of third-party ownership. That's absolutely abhorrent and ridiculous. Yes. Whereas, of course it did go on and it does go and it's, on. It was a financial necessity in many cases. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there was a particularly high-profile transfer in England, um, which actually, you know, years later when you peel back some of the layers, you found out, oh my goodness, that was a third-party ownership situation. Nobody realised it, but, mm. uh, you know, and it would it would surprise a lot of people. But um, but is this one of those ones, do you think, with, with release clauses? Again, don't hear about it too much in England. Is it just it's, English clubs don't necessarily, there's, there's a lot more money, so they're less worried, or does it happen and it's just not really talked about? That well, much? it exists in some cases, mm. um, but there's no need for it to exist everywhere, I think, because um, certainly from the club's perspective, there's, there's no imperative to include it mm-hmm. because um, they're in a situation where... Um, 
players are, are paid well enough in, in in most cases that you know that they're, they're not necessarily going to agitate to leave mm-hmm. all the time and i think if you look at it from the other angle you know what figure could be high enough for an english club because uh, for an english premier league club because mm-hmm. in most cases they've got so much money I mean, how... other than PSG and one or two others, who's going to? Yeah, you know... ex- exactly. Uh, you know, what what is the money really worth to them? Mm. Uh, not that much, I, I, I don't think. And yeah, I, I think a, a lot of clubs aren't in a position to match what players in England are, are getting in terms mm. of not just in terms of fee, but in terms of wages as well. So mm. th- there's there's not really the need to protect yourself as much. There you are. Andy, we're going to finish with this question from Mason, who says. Was David Beckham criminally underrated in England because so much of his career was spent outside of the Premier League? If so, are there parallels with Owen Hargreaves? Love that, Mason. (laughs) I mean, well, Owen Hargreaves, I think you could argue... You could argue that he's underrated and overrated at the same time in this country. Yes, I think that's fair. The, The 2006 World Cup changed everything. It did, and... Also, I remember him having a good season for Manchester United. I remember him playing and winning the Champions League with them, playing in the Mm. final, taking the best penalty out of all the penalties from my recollection. Goalkeeper's top right, he stuffed it. I can remember him scoring a lovely free kick to win against Arsenal 2-1. Oh, at Old Trafford at the Stratford end. That was a classic. So I I can remember a few moments from Hargreaves, but I think he only played sort of 20-odd league games for them or something like that. He, he didn't play very much at all, actually. In, a relatively small amount. He, yeah, he due was, to injury and yeah, so on. Yeah, he was really fettered by injury, wasn't he? And there was all that talk about trying to get him back to fitness, and he suddenly became the, the player who they really, really needed. Um, and uh, it was, would, of course, pop up at Manchester City as well and play a little, little game for them or two. So sometimes I think people can remember him quite fondly when he didn't actually play that much. I mean, he did with Champions League and mm. other things as well. But I do take the point that his career outside of England is maybe not taken into account. I think back then it wasn't. I think he was very much underrated before the 2006 yeah. World Cup. But I think he's rated and in fact maybe overrated slightly with, with one or two people. But going back to David Beckham, Andy, what do you think of that? I think that... Um the way we perceive David Beckham is far less to do with mm-hmm. um, his quality on the pitch. I agree. Or, or the chronology of his career. People forget about lo- his football career sometimes. Or, or the location of his career, exactly. I mm. think I think we're heading in the same direction here, mm. is that he's perceived by celebrity all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Because I think an interesting comparison is if you take um, David Beckham, say, mm-hmm. and Paul Scholes. Mm-hmm. Paul Scholes is the sexier footballer by a million miles. Don't use the word sexy in Paul Scholes. <laughs> With Paul Scholes, that's not. He's the more f- flashy, flary, sexier, eye-catching, sexier, all right. sexier, all right, sexier. That was too low. <laughs> sounded like <laughs> apologies, <now>. Ramblers. <laughs> <laughs> you started it <laughs> because you know we're, we're. I think a lot of people now are familiar with. Um, the fact that he's every Spanish elite favourite footballer, well, the favourite English footballer. Is there a danger of Paul Scholes being a touch overrated now? Well, his technique's incredible. No, of course. Uh, no, I, I, I think that's why he's loved. But No, no, no. I'm not we... saying he... I, I, I say that. With, I don't necessarily think that. Look, I, I 
it was the same thing with Zenedine Zidane when I spoke on Ramble On about him being a touch overrated. It's because the way he's that's why I stopped my subscription. <laughs> no, but it's not. A, but that's not saying someone is overrated. Or Doesn't underrated. mean they're rubbish. Yeah, it, that's yeah. not a question at all on their on their ability. It's about the hype around them. And so again, with Beckham, he could be underrated and overrated. I'm saying with Paul Scholes, a magnificent player. But if someone sits here and goes, "I think Paul Scholes is one of the greatest players of all time," it's kind of like, "What? Well, no, you've just overrated him there." Yeah. That's what I mean. That's yes. the type of uh, that's the specific type of chat I'm saying. Yes. If we take it back to Bex, yes, I think um, if you look at what they actually are as players, forget mm. everything else the the personalities, um, mm. the media exposure, the mm. way they're perceived as personalities. And I think we always make, as a society, we make huge assumptions about celebrities mm-hmm. and that, that that we know them when we don't at all, mm-hmm. but. If, if you strip everything away and just put it down to um, the football talent and the playing characteristics, Scholes is exactly the sort of player that English fans and media are traditionally very suspicious of. And Beckham is exactly that sort of player that mm-hmm. English media and fans absolutely love. Yeah. Because he was not the most talented of fantastic Manchester United side that won the treble in 1999 Mm -hmm. by a long stretch. Mm -hmm. A a very, very good player. There's no doubt about it. An elite player. But when you consider the company he's, he's in, um, Skulls, Giggs, Keane, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, Beckham is technically not quite up to the same level as them. What he is, is someone who has, worked incredibly hard Mm -hmm. puts an enormous amount of effort in Mm -hmm. every time he's on the field puts an enormous amount of effort in training and has made the very best of himself that he possibly can be Mm. and yet he's 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 treated like someone who's quite flaky well, because of the perception of him well, a bit as, as, as a celebrity. Well, in fact, you know, actually, I was... So when you said Skulls was the, sort of the, the sexier footballer or whatever, it was more a comment about Paul Skulls, really, and I think of his little willy popping out of his shorts, you know. But um, if you remember that, Andy? Don't look at me like... I, I bought a greeting card in the 90s as well. <laughs> you know. That was a popular greetings card, wasn't it? I never bought it as a card, but my goodness, I'm going to find... <laughs> but I'm retiring off the profits about making it as a card. <laughs> I'm going to have a look for that. Um, skulls... Yeah, because you look at Beckham, you look at the hair, you look at the good-looking bloke, all the off-field stuff, and therefore you think, oh, that was the same with regards to his attributes as a footballer. But you're right, it wasn't. It's like when you assume... Uh, a manager is going to be the same type of manager that they were as a player. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that as well. But you think, you know, roll up your sleeves. Beckham should look like David Batty, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It should be that sort of thing. But of course, he's not. He's, he's the flamboyant. With with um, Gennaro Gattuso, again, yeah, he's got the Italian hair and all the rest of it. Mm. But I mean, he he he's he looks a bit rough. You know, you wouldn't want to, you know, meet him down a dark alley sort yeah, of thing. If, you know? if, if we're talking Baggio's with Beckham, mm. he's more Dino than he is Roberto. Yeah. And so one can think that uh, you know he was this sort of whereas with skulls as you say it was a bit more silky and uh, and uh, aesthetically pleasing I suppose he's more of an intuitive footballer isn't yeah. he although yeah although he, he although he maybe pleases his English critics whenever he goes to tackle someone you kind of go ah there you go he's one of ours 
Yeah, he, he does tackle like a fair player. Mm. Like in that he looks like he has no <laughs> clue what he's doing when he's tackling. Well, so so with regards to Beckham then, the, but the question is criminally underrated. I mean, at Manchester United... Well, I suppose that's the question, really. Are we saying underrated or are we saying misrepresented? Well, Mason mis- is asking... Mis- misrepresented, definitely. M- Mason's words are criminally underrated. That's what he's saying. Now, perhaps, to to, to take Mason's words or perhaps the spirit of them, is he saying that when we talk about best Premier League 11s of all time or best this or that or the other or best European midfielders of the last 20 years or something, is Beckham one of those who misses out and he should be a part of these conversations? Whereas, because we, we immediately think, well, well, you mentioned sort of Keane and Scholes or even Cristiano Ronaldo or, or these players, understandably so. Yes. But he's saying, and is that because of his career abroad? I mean, at Real Madrid is... His first season, from my recollection, first season was very good. They came up short with trophies, but they were very good. Last season, he came into his own in the second half of the season. Despite being written off and told he, yeah. told he wasn't going to be part of it. In between times, there were moments, but, but, but there but were inconsistencies. That's that's the thing. I think Real Madrid is his career in microcosm, really. Mm. Because it's, it's not just about ability, it's about perseverance. Mm-hmm. It's about refusal to, to give in. Mm. Now, I, I don't know like how many like um, English football, predominantly English football followers are, are aware of this, but do you know his nickname in his, his, his first year at Real Madrid? Go on. Forrest Gump. Oh, because he just ran around like a headless chicken. Yeah, and I remember going to see um, Real Madrid in that first season. Mm-hmm. I, I saw them play uh, Sevilla at the Bernabeu, mm-hmm. and in the press seats, you're right, right at the top. It's mm-hmm. like you're leaning, you're, it's like you're looming over the, mm-hmm. the, the pitch. And it's a great way to see them. And it's also... I have been up there, actually. You see you see how slowly all the rest of the players move towards David Beckham. He looked like a firefly on the set of Bagpuss. <laughs> it, it, was, it was extraordinary. Yeah. And all his teammates would kind of look around at him and go, what are you doing? Mm. There's no need. Mm. There's no need. And he was a little bit fish out of water. He's such an English player. Mm. And I, I, I don't mean that in a pejorative way at all. Um, it's, I think it's just a statement of fact mm. um, that he relies on athleticism and physical power. I mean, he has and that, that cross- helped, The that, crossing ability, the, you know, that, that, that is something, but you're right. Yeah, that is. But again, I think that's, rather than God-given, mm. is learnt through practice yeah and of course so much football that we would like to believe is magic is learned through practice of course cfc barcelona <laughs> but i i think that, that that also helped him in the back end of his career in terms of longevity and you think of those two loan spills at, mm. at milan which were excellent really for the mm-hmm. for, for the large part and he, he really really impressed people in mm-hmm. in italy with those so to go back to the original question if we're to strip back the question and talk about what it's really getting at, if we're talking, as you suggest, that, that, that the Mason is getting at, is Beckham criminally underrated in that he should be in more all-time teams? Well, that was ex- my, how I was et cetera, et cetera. attaching. Yeah, I'm saying that that, mm. that is your mm-hmm. interpretation of what Mason's mm-hmm. saying. I would say no. Mm-hmm. Is he mis- misrepresented? Absolutely. Mm. Is he miscast? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I think, so when when you were distilling the word underrated mm-hmm. and what it really means. Um, I, 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 do I think people have got David Beckham all wrong and undervalue him as a footballer sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Do I think he's 
underrated in in that all time sense? No, no, no. I agree. I agree. Plenty of moments, especially in an England jersey, and that's what we like, Andy. There we are. Thank you very much for listening to the mailbag this week. It's been an absolute pleasure, you darlings. Thank you very much for your questions, and thank you, Andy, for answering them. Thank you for having me. See you soon, everybody. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creator Network.